Well, welcome along to uh, what I'm going to call uh, the sort of last podcast, but it isn't the last podcast, but the last podcast with the full and, and you know, the full contingent, shall we say, because the normal format is that I'm sat here with three other City fans, and that's what I'm doing tonight. Uh, there will be, coming up though, in the next few weeks, some what we might call mini-podcasts, about half an hour in duration, and uh, they will, it'll give you actually a chance to get to know the podcasters a little bit better and find out why the City fans, what makes them tick, um, and, and something that hopefully you'll enjoy during the summer months because we're going to continue on all the way through the summer, which is going to be a lot shorter than you think because middle of July, City go on pre-season to China, Japan and uh, Hong Kong, and then it'll be the Community Shield, 4th of uh, August, and everything starts again. So despite what you might be thinking at the moment, how am I going to cope without my football? It'll be around quicker than you realise. So tonight we're going to sort of wrap up the 2018-19 season by looking back on on some of the highlights and, and pick out some of the moments in our more relaxed fashion. Um, so I'm Ian Cheeseman, of course, and Thanks very much to uh, the sponsor of the podcast for the first half of 2019. And if you're interested in getting involved and sponsoring yourself, either the podcast or the vlogs that I do, I'd love to be on pre-season, for example, but I haven't got a sponsor at the moment. So if you want to uh, to sponsor me for that, then uh, contact me. Uh, but Hot Click Marketing, which is at hot underscore click, are the sponsors of the podcast and have been for 2019. So we thank them very much. And if you're interested in getting your company, if you're a digital company, to the top of the rankings on Google, then contact Tony. Just look up Hot Click Marketing on their website. I'll give you the number. They're a Manchester company, but even if you're from outside Manchester, he'll help you. Um, and they'll be delighted to speak to you. I have three members of the, the squad, shall we call them that, here tonight. And as is my normal one, I will get you to introduce yourselves. Yeah, so I'm Harlan, uh, at R13thMan on Twitter. Massive blue. Uh, love coming down doing the podcasts um, with someone that... Uh, I admired as a child, and I'm with the best team uh, in England, apart from Manchester City. <laughs> There's a fiver. <laughs> just, just put it in a just bank transfer. Feelings mutual, don't worry. Bank transfer, it. it's easy, isn't it? Uh, I'm Matty Dove, at Matty Dove on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, lifelong City fan, been on the pod all season, so I'm sure if you've been listening all season, you know to... Skip ahead now. <laughs> and, and your representative on City Matters. And City Matters rep as well. So if you've got anything you want brought to the club, DM me on Twitter or email me. If you go on Twitter, you'll see the email. If you don't want me to you see it, can't remember his own email, can you? <laughs> Matty.dove at citymatters.co.uk. Oh, so you oh, go. You've got an official email. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Didn't, didn't want to brag with you. <laughs> okay, what about you? Who are um, you? Hi, I'm As if Emily. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Emily. Um, do bits and bobs and bore people senseless talking about City. Um, supported them well before we won all the trophies uh, through Division 2. Um, and that's about it. Well, I, you, you, you undersell yourself. You are a writer. You write columns in King of the Kipax. You've appeared on various different other media outlets. So when I first came across you, you were already a writer then, even though you were in your teens. Yeah. So you've been doing it a long time, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, about going up in like 25 years now. You're not that old. <laughs> anyway, here we are at the end of the 2019 
season. Um, obviously, City have won. I'm going to call it the treble. Um, obviously, the Community Shield can be added into that. Personally, I, I don't feel as if the Community Shield... It's lovely that they call the Formidables. The club obviously latched onto that title. It has a nice ring to it. But I've got to be honest and say that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, City have won three trophies this season. But have also played some magnificent football. I think that shouldn't be overlooked. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, that's the highlight, not the trophies. The trophies are a bonus. The trophies are great. There was a title race where it went... So nervy towards the end and went all the way to the wire. Of course, we as fans, well, certainly me, got to the point where, believe it or not, and this goes against everything I believe in, really, by about four or five games from the end, I didn't care how we won. I didn't care how the ball hit the back of the net. And that does go against what I normally think because normally it is about how we play. And I love Pep Guardiola's style of football for that reason. But it did become about going over the line. And part of the reason was, um, and, and, I, and I don't like to say this really, because hatred is a word I don't like to use, and I'm not going to use it really in this context, um, but, but there has become a, a poisonous, almost a poisonous, toxic relationship um, with, with the Liverpool supporters, yep. which, you, you know, maybe it'll diffuse now, I don't know. Um, but that had an impact, I felt, in the latter stages of the season because it was head-to-head. And if that had been a... This is how I feel. If that had been a head-to-head title race between City and Tottenham, City and Chelsea, City and Arsenal, and you know what? Even maybe City and United these days, it wouldn't have felt the way it did in that title race with Liverpool. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's how I feel. Am I wrong? No, I don't remember back in... Uh... With the Aguero moment, I don't remember it feeling anywhere near as bad as it has done last this season, just gone, because I remember, obviously, a lot of people use the word banter, some people don't like that. We've always had banter with United, and I despise, well, I used to despise United, but now, that is now kind of deflecting more towards Liverpool, and quite possibly more because of their behaviour of it's not all the fans but the the fans behaviour and some of the things that I've seen them do and seen them tweet and seen them heard them say um back in that season when it was us versus United it was nowhere near as bad as it has been the last season and I'll admit that it has actually taken away from the enjoyment of it a little bit for me because towards the end it became that toxic that I just wanted the season decided and over and done with one way or the other, obviously. So that is the right word, toxic, is it? T- t- absolutely toxic. Completely. And it's still going on now, and they're still comparing parades, and they're still, oh, our, our cup means more. And even the slogan of their season, this is Liverpool, this means more. No, it doesn't. Stop being so arrogant. It doesn't. It means exactly the same for every other team in the league. It meant the world to every City fan when we won the league, when we won the three trophies in brackets four. And how dare they have that slogan? Because it doesn't mean more. I think it's ironic that Liverpool and United hate each other because they're so alike. And I think we do get distracted a bit by Man United because they're so poor at the minute but I think if they were up there they'd be just as bad to be honest with you I think well that was a question is the reason why 
the toxicity, I'll not use the hatred word, yeah. has gone away with United simply because they're not very good anymore. You still see the arrogance there, but it was what Liverpool used to do. So if we mention, so they'll mention the Champions League or say, oh, you haven't won that. So they're talking about the history that they mock Liverpool for doing. Um, but with Liverpool, it's not just social media. I think social media is so toxic in this day and age. And I think when it was the Aguero moment that season, it, social media wasn't as prevalent. And I think we're in an era now where it's all about likes and retweets and clicks. And obviously the bigger fan bases are going to get more clicks. So the more negative stuff you post about City, the more it gets shared. And I think as City fans, we just have to accept it a little bit. Because when you are successful, you're hated. That's just inevitable. United were hated for years and maybe that's because of their arrogance. But at the end of the day we've won a treble so that's the thing we have to focus on who cares how many if I was the only one who turned up to the parade I wouldn't care because I've watched my team win a, tre a treble and when I was a kid I could never see us winning a trophy let alone three in the same season so I think we do get a bit distracted when we go on social media but with the Liverpool fans they are toxic on social media but then you, you've got to remember that they threw bottles at our bus as well and they mock us for being annoyed about that Throwing bottles of beer at a team bus to give them some welcoming. It's just embarrassing. And Yeah, maybe there's not as many City fans welcoming the team bus, but if they were all going to throw bottles at it, I wouldn't want them there anyway. So no. I think it has, it has made it a more uh, frustrating season. And at the end of the day, like you said, Emily, you just want to get over the line. You're just sick of seeing it all. And at the end of the day, we can just sit back and be like, right, well, it's done and we've won a treble, so... Oh, Before Harlan comes in, can I just say this? Um, I used to uh, be a big admirer of Liverpool. Me too. Uh, the football that Liverpool played um, in the 80s and whatnot was great football. I've stood on the cop when Liverpool and Everton played a derby match and wondered at how friendly the fans were towards each other. Something's changed in recent years, uh, which I, I don't like. Um, and it only seems to have happened... You know, even though Bill Leavers on the vlog that I did from Wembley said it had happened back in the 50s that somebody tried to rock the bus over, ironically, the city bus um, when it went to Anfield. So maybe there has been something in the past. But the one, two, well, two things that I want to say before Harlan comes in is that, first of all, well done to Liverpool Football Club and football team for winning the Champions League, which is a great achievement. Their team in the Premier League was fantastic. To think that they got 97 points and didn't win the league, I do feel, and, and some City fans will hate me for saying this, but I actually, for the players, for the, for the manager, and, and I'll say I'm a bit of a fan of Jurgen Klopp, and I think he's a great coach, and I think his attitude's great as well. There'll be people hating me for saying <laughs> it, but I'm saying it. And so well done to Liverpool. And let's hope that this toxic relationship can be somehow... Repaired is a big word, but certainly improved upon. And that, let, and I'm, 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 I just want to try to convince myself that it is really only about a small minority, that vociferous people on social media and that group that bricked the bus and did all that sort of stuff. Because I still want to see the best in people. Um, so well done to Liverpool. So I've said it. Go on. You can you shut me when... down now if you want, Harley. No, no, it's fine. I, I appreciate <laughs> your, your opinion on that, Ian. But what I want to say is, do you remember when, 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 when you were kids? Obviously, that's, that's for me and you. Um, short that it's for Ian, obviously. I know, you know, not as long, but when we were all kids, I'm sure that... No, I'm trying, I'm I, think, I think the context I'm trying to get it, say this in is that, that 
I don't know what fans were like when Ian was was 15, 16, or when you were a kid at school. I don't know what fans were like then, obviously. Liverpool were winning everything in, in the 80s, weren't they? And, well, they and weren't on social media, and no, obviously there were, there were grounds that you went to, and going to Merseyside to Liverpool and Everton was never nice. I mean, I was involved in, in stewarding football specials, and I remember going to a Liverpool, they, they, there was a semi-final of the League Cup, two legs, and we went to Anfield for one of the games. Uh, some people remember it as the Alf Grey semi, when the referee Alf Grey disallowed what looked like a perfect perfectly good goal so that takes the older listeners back to that era that's when it was and I remember the, the train going to Liverpool um, and being being attacked uh, and bricks coming through the window so that was back then Chelsea was awful Newcastle was awful um, obviously Millwall when, when in, in the old days and going to Old Trafford in a Manchester derby so there were always Obviously, it was terrible in the seventies. Yeah. You know that was when all hooligans. What, was it, was what it I'm worse. trying to say, Ian, was it the same for you? Was it the same for you, Em? Will you as well, cameraman um, and producer of the Forever Blue podcast? He's um, referring to Will, by the way. Yeah, who's um, Matty? All of us. I'm sure that we all we all, when we said to people, oh, "Who do you support in the pub?" Or, or, or when you were when you were at a party or something like that, or something, who do you support then? And they go, and you go, you go City, and they go, ah, anyone but United. And you felt like you were on the same page as every other fan in the country when it came to United. And I feel that everybody's on the same page now in the country when it comes to Liverpool. And I think that the fans that that used to stand in the pub side by side with you and and were on the same team as you, in a sense, are now the ones that have become that hated fan base that everybody now collectively hates back. Um and that's one thing that I never want us to become. And I think something I'm very proud of as a fan and something I'm very proud of going to games and seeing our fan base acting in, in the way that we do is that we we never allow ourselves to... We, we've got a threshold and we probably on social media get to a level where we might we might try and give... It might get a bit tit for tat, but we'll never cross the threshold where it'll become that abusive that the whole country would stand up and go win our way at all City fans because all City fans are ruthless and all City fans are, are going to go to to extreme measures to try and dis- discredit another team or something like that. I think that our fan base have got a, a limiter on them where we would never, ever become the most hated team in England. I suppose. Even, you know, regardless, you know, forget the fact that people hate us because of the money. Our fan base, as a fan base, yeah. isn't, isn't that toxic and isn't that horrible to be hated as much? Matty said something before, which is which is very very pertinent to this, in that when I grew up there was no social media. Now social media is everything, and I wonder whether um, it is actually the social media that is that is toxic. That really there is still because you know when you, I've not watched. I didn't watch the game on on Saturday. I was visiting my dad, and it wasn't. A, I didn't take a stance. I just didn't watch it. I saw the latter part of the game, and it didn't seem a very good game. I expected Liverpool to win, and and then I, then I watched the film and didn't 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 bother. But in little bits that I've seen, I've seen nice Liverpool fans, nice people, people like me respectful people on camera they're not all like that and it makes me wonder whether we're getting a distorted view of this toxic relationship because of social media now by definition probably not all but by definition most of the people who find this podcast find it through social media so therefore 
most of the people actually listening to the podcast are probably active or look at social media. But there are still thousands of people out there, admittedly a lot of them probably older people, who don't go on social media, who aren't influenced by it, who probably still have a view of Liverpool or United or whoever it might be, different to the one that, that you all as, as, as active social media people have. You think that's fair? I, Completely. I think the thing is, is that football fans are so tribal that social media, and I'll pick out Twitter as a really strong example, is a really good place for tribalism and football fans to be really, really active because you're hidden, you're behind a keyboard, and although you might have a profile picture, you can feel like it's all right to throw all kinds of disgusting abuse at people and, and almost get away with it. People put videos on there. I'm not even going to mention the video that I've seen at the weekend of the guy. Uh, I won't yeah, go into don't, detail. Don't. Um, yeah, the, the Liverpool fan performing a certain act on himself um, in a square at in Madrid. Um, and I thought I'd seen everything in my life, and believe me, I am no prude, but that had my... Yeah, I just thought, well... Yeah, it's I think that goes back to what you said. That goes back to what you said. We would have never seen that. No, but you wouldn't see it. If did you did you report that tweet, it? by the way? No, I did. It, it kind of spread, and it's that's it goes viral, and before you know it, hundreds of accounts have shared it and and kind of copied it, so it's on their profile as well. But it's that things get highlighted so much quicker. It's like it spreads like wildfire. But our fans aren't innocent. Spurs fans aren't innocent. United fans, all football clubs have a minority of fans who are complete and utter brain-dead morons who embarrass themselves, not only themselves, but the club as well. Um, so this is a serious just... question. Is it, if there wasn't social media, we wouldn't be as aware of all no. this, would we? No. Is social media to blame? Well, I think it just, we, we see it. Platform, yeah, it, it gives people a platform to kind of spread hate and, and encourage hate and encourage. There's like the hockey player who is a Liverpool fan who I've had to block because she baits City fans constantly. Mm. She's a Liverpool fan and she's throwing the bait out all the time. And the amount of people who, who bite to it, there's fans like that for every football club. But it just seems like it's gone really, really heated and really toxic this season between City and Liverpool. And like I say, in the past, I I thought I despised United, but it's going the other way. I do know some Liverpool fans who are sound, you know, who are genuinely lovely people. But like I say, maybe it's a minority in, in every football club who are idiots. But social media is definitely highlighting it and so it's becoming a real you problem. You two are the social media generation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does frustrate me. And, and going back to the point that you made, Ian, about, um, you know, once maybe liking Liverpool or something like that, I can't remember when that... It wasn't this season that that started to to, to kind of disappear for me, that that that, that likability with regards to Liverpool. I can't actually remember when... I think it might have been 2014 when, when we were in a title race with yeah. them then. I think that was when Brendan Rodgers was spouting off and the whole... Sterling thing where there was there was rumours that Sterling might be moving on and we were always linked with him and there was there was there was a bit of animosity with regards to that and stuff and obviously he was going through a rough time with his own fans. Then he scored against us at Anfield. He scored the opening goal and they were still booing him and all that and I think I kind of just kind of started to think who who are these fans now like why why have they why have they all of a sudden changed and 
I remember sitting up. In fact, I remember begging my mum to let me stay up to watch the Champions League final in 2005 because I'd watched the first half of extra time and then it was bedtime. It's bedtime, Alan. And I said, no, there's another half to go, mum. How long's another half? I said, it's another 15 minutes. Yeah, but it might go to penalties, my mum said. I said, yeah, but can I watch them? And I remember running around celebrating when Jersey Dudek... You know what I mean? When, when, when Jersey Dudek saved the penalty, it was like, that's brilliant. An English club have won the Champions League. And as a child, it was like... It, it, seeing Gerard lift the truck, it was, it was like... It was fantastic. I knew it wasn't my club, and we never thought we were ever going to get anywhere near that trophy. I never dreamed... I never dreamt of playing in the Champions League. So to see them do it, it was brilliant. And... And it been United lifting it, it'd have been a different kettle of fish. But to see Liverpool do it, another North West club and all, all that kind of stuff, oh, you should run a North West club to win it and all that, that was then. So then now. the obvious counter to that is, is this now, is this change of attitude that you've got, and a lot of City fans presumably have, it purely because City are right at the top of the tree and at this moment Liverpool are the rivals? I don't, I personally don't think that, in terms of the fact that Liverpool could have won the Premier League, they were a rival. In terms of the fact that they've got um, a decent squad of players and a top manager in Jurgen Klopp, I think that's another reason why you can say they're a rival. But in terms of style of football, and this isn't an attack on Klopp, in terms of style of football, the fact that they play on the edge and stuff and that they're very um, intense and very direct, uh, I don't think they play as good a football as us. I think they relied on luck a lot last season and a lot of other things, a lot of other evil things that, um, that, that happened last season. I think they relied on that. I think Evil's that, I a think, strong word. Yeah, it is. But I think I think there's some the, the, the play. I think players players adapt to a club and kind of um, they kind of soak up the club's mentality and the fan mentality as well. And I think like for example, Milner left our our place and went to Liverpool and turned into somebody else. And I think that that does happen. Whereas when players leave us, we believe they leave us as better people, and then they go on and become. Worst people when they go to clubs like that, and I think that's rubbed off on players like Milner and stuff. There's but, a reason he gets booed. Yeah, of course there is. But I think, I think, in theory, I, I don't see Liverpool as. This is going to sound really arrogant. I think we are absolutely unreal. I think we are. This is, is this the best it's going to get, or is it going to get better? If we do back to back domestic trebles, that, 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 that'll be absolutely out of this world, euphoric. But. I don't think they're anywhere near us, Ian, in terms of everything. If you look at everything as a full as a full picture, I really don't see Liverpool as a rival because I think that we'll see that next season and they won't be. They won't be. VAR will be a really interesting addition next season because a lot of the decisions that they've had this season have gone their way. VAR could potentially expose them next season, so we'll see, but... I'm just kind of looking at the... Obviously, we haven't got the fixtures out yet. It's still a couple of weeks, but I'm looking at the community shield and, oh, lo and behold, it's City versus Liverpool. And I'm thinking... Oh, and so it begins again and all that stress and tension. And probably writing the headlines for it now. Do you know what I mean? The, the newspapers again. are probably getting all the... All the the, the collective information yeah. together and all the, the slogans and the headlines and all the, yeah. you know, Sky are probably doing it, BT are probably doing it. All that work is being put in now. I know a charity. lot of City fans have charity already Shield. said they're not going to go to the Charity Shield because they don't want to be there in that toxic atmosphere. And you know then that that will be turned against City fans mm-hmm. saying, and obviously this would be the, well, I know it won't be, I know it'll be another season, but it will be six trips to Wembley in quick succession um, for City. Do you think um, that Liverpool should give us a guard of honour in the charity shield? 
No. That's an interesting... For winning, for winning a domestic treble. Well, so. So it won't, then but we imagine... Give, imagine do, does City give Liverpool one for winning the European Cup? Do you know what? Do you know what, Ian? Give each other no, a guard of honour. Do you know what? Do you know what? In all honesty, I think it'd probably, it'd probably help the situation if both teams agreed to respect each other's achievements. Well, in an ideal world, yeah, but I don't remember it feeling anything like that when we played them in the, um, the Carabao Cup. I think it was Capital One Cup final. Which wasn't that well, long ago, no, really, no. was it? And we won on penalties. It was the day that Willie Caballero was the hero. And the, I don't remember it feeling remotely anywhere near as toxic can as it, it is Can it improve? Will it, can uh, it get better, all, this? No, it'll only get worse. I think it depends on the rivalry. If they fall off the map and end up finishing fourth next season, I don't think it'll be half as bad as it is now. But the problem is that with Liverpool and Man United, the reason I said that if Man United were in this position, it'd be the exact same is because of the large fan bases they have. They've got this arrogance that because they have more fans than us, that they deserve it more. So it, it it does wind me up and I wish it didn't, to be honest, because at the end of the day, so what? You had more fans at your parade than us. You've been a, more, a, bit, a successful club for longer than us, so you've generated more fans because they attracted to the glory. It's common... It's commonplace. And City will be there in 20, 30 years. We'll have yeah. more fans and eventually we'll grow and grow and grow if, if we sustain this and hopefully we don't fall into the arrogant, toxic City had a parade last year. Liverpool didn't. I almost There's feel also like... There's also that as well. We, we have one every year, so we're getting used to it. <laughs> I almost feel like we're, we're, we're fueling it now by going on about it and talking. Yeah. I know that... Let's, let's move on but, then, because I yeah. take that point and I didn't want this... But, and, and anybody listening to this, um, it's a different part of this subject that I've tried to address here, but we'll move on from it now. Um, I want to talk about um, people things like you know the highlights of the season but you mentioned VAR and I think it's a good time to to mention that as well because you probably all three of you seen the new rules next season and one of the concerns I've got <laughs> you're right to, to say that it might affect Liverpool but equally if you think back to uh, the game at Schalke when Schalke took the lead through what I didn't think was a handball Otamendi um, and there have been other situations like that. I think there was a, a penalty that United got in one of the games. Was your rent against um, us, weren't Yeah, uh, obviously against us. So uh, the first thing that occurred to me is now with this new handball rule and the the fact that they're gonna that they seem to want to bring VAR in to almost double check every claim. First of all, that will spoil the momentum of games for me. Yeah. But secondly. As I'm sitting here now, I'm not a gambler, but if I was to bet, I'll bet you half, at least half as many again. Will penalties will be given next season? There are so whatever the total number of penalties that were given, not just for our team, but all twenty Premier League clubs. So add them all together, there'll be 150 next year. There'll be more. Might just, even be double. Just look at the World Cup last oh, year. Yeah. It was ridiculous. There was, I think, there was a stretch of like nine games in a row where there was a penalty. How many penalties have we seen given for yeah. fouls from corners this season? It was sort of like the in-the-moment thing, like, oh, well, this World Cup, we're going to concentrate on that. The thing is, I've, the other, the other rule ridiculous. is that if players ask for VAR next season, they get yellow carded, yeah. which I think is a fantastic rule yes. because that will, that will definitely, definitely cool the influence. Of, but I think if you're going to do that, I think you also book players for asking the referee to book another player. I think that should be yeah. something that they're looking to do in maybe, if not this season, next season. Because if you walk over and start waving your hand in the referee's face, you're trying to influence the game. You're trying to fix that game in a certain way. So you should get booked for that as well. So I think there's got to be a... Con if they're going to change a rule that, that 
along something like that or along them lines, you've got to look at every situation. So if players are asking for anything, you book them. So the you know I mean? Liverpool versus Newcastle game, uh, who was the player who got fouled Fabinho. for the free kick? Firmino, when Fabinho, he, sorry. Fabinho, sorry, when um, he's he's going down, he's hitting the floor, and not he's not even hit the floor, and he's looking up at the linesman begging for for the free kick. So he's halfway down to the floor, and he's already looking up and. I think diving should be a straight red as well. It, it shouldn't have been a free kick, and they scored from it. And I mean that if 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 I saw Sterling yeah. dive in a Premier League game to try and win us a penalty and the game was nil nil and it was the ninety fifth minute and he and he blatantly dived, yeah. I would be saying, Raj, you've got to go for that." Players trying I, to I, I wouldn't. I'm not saying I would say that you know uh, Zahar has to go or Townsend has to go or 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 Batshuayi has to go. Sterling has to go if he dives in the box. He doesn't do that anymore. He waits for the contact course and <laughs> forwards are very clever. And I've been coached it myself that if you get an advantage on a defender. And, and and you the first the first the first thought's gotta be you've got to try and score. But but if you know you're gonna get contact, then it's clever forward play. But I think if you're to blatantly dive now it's a straight red for me, it should be. Yeah, you'd you'd like to think with the introduction of VAR that it'll sort of eradicate diving because players know that if they dive they're not gonna con the ref because he'll just go and have a look and he'll send them off or he'll book them or whatever. But then do you think but, but then you just said he'll he'll send them off or he'll book them. I think the I think it's got to be it is a red card. But if you're on a you know if I mean? you're like, on the football, got to be conclusive. And yeah. you run in and you obviously it's an in the moment thing. But if you know the ref's just going to go and have a look at it and go, well that's not a foul. You're not going to bother. You, but saying that, there's cameras everywhere, and I don't know if anyone saw the Championship playoff semi. Bamford, he got touched in his chest, and he went down rolling. And I'm thinking, if you know that's going to be replayed and shared across the world, you wouldn't do it. But they still do. So it might not eradicate. The Leeds player did that as well, didn't he? But remember going that? on to your point, Ian, with the hand balls, I think that if we are gonna do, if we are gonna give penalties for the Ottomendi one, then we've got to be giving it for the Urentia one. Then we've got to be giving it for the one in the Champions League final because, well, at, looking back at that now, it hit his body first. So I think if if the if the ball's already contacted you and then it hits your arm. It shouldn't be a penalty because it's already made the point of contact with your body. Yeah, which... but the new rule says his, his arm was in an unnatural position or above his head. It's automatically given I whether really there was any intent or not. That. I yeah. really worry about that. See, that's, that's where I've got a problem because if it's already con- if it hits him on, if, it, if, if it hits him direct on the arm the other day, it's a definite pen because the new rule is that it doesn't matter whether it's accidental or not. If it hits your arm clean, I thought it was, then it's a pen. But if it hits your leg and bounces up and hits your arm... Then I don't think it should be because it's already you've already you've controlled the ball, but unintentionally controlled it. Are we, are we agreeing there could be more penalties next year? Hundred percent. So from a city 100%. perspective, should Sergio be taking the penalties? Gundogan. Yeah, I think he's a class penalty taker. Me. Oh, I don't know. I mean, since Yaya went, Yaya, you trusted him, didn't you? You sat back, you thought, well, he'll he'll score. Yaya was perfect at penalties. Gundogan for me. Aguero, I hope not he's so still confident. there. Yeah, but Gundogan, um, as much as I love Aguero, but he can, uh, Gundogan. I remember Gundogan in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich for Dortmund and his penalty was absolutely outrageously calm. But you've got to start thinking that way. I mean, whether or not Pep and, and other managers agree with what I'm suggesting, which is this automatic, there's going to be a lot more penalties... Uh, it's a bit like some coaches say, well, I don't prepare for penalties in a game that could go to penalties because it's so um, unpredictable. Yeah, you can't replicate it. Yeah, can't replicate it. Yeah. But if, if there are going to be more penalties, you have to have 
one or two people who are very good at penalties. You can't do what they do in America and bring on a penalty taker, but you but you have to maybe you have to think about it. I'm actually worried about the way it's going to go next season, football as a whole, because you are you going to be you know that raw emotion that you feel when we score a goal. Are you going to be hesitant knowing that there's VAR involved? The thing is, on that, I think there's so much at stake now, though. In football, so much it. money at stake. Well, the Tottenham VAR goal was a perfect example. Personally, I'm sat in the press box, don't react very much, but that was a moment of emotion for me. And I happened to notice that my wife and son were sat quite close to the press box. So I leapt up in the air, ran to them and gave them a big group hug and then went back to my seat, sat down thinking, oh, brilliant, brilliant, semi-final. And only then was it disallowed. Oh. And that was that. It, that's what's going to happen next season. That yeah. is awful. Yeah, it's the come down from it because, it like everybody said, it's the reverse of Wero moment. That last yeah. minute. Yeah moment when you think you've done it and yeah. oh my god semi-final imagine if the Aguero goal had been a VAR goal yeah. even if it had been given so there would have been a, a two or three minute pause while they looked at you know it takes a, away from the, like everything that football's about and the enjoyment of that moment because but that'd be it, that, about that'd that. be that'd be like we'd all be oh no have we won the league have we not yeah. but imagine it down at Brighton the game finishes 1-0 if there's an am, there's a bla- oh, well the game the game's nil nil. There's a blatant am ball, sorry, and it isn't given. And Liverpool win the league because we didn't get a penalty that was a definite penalty. Then we'd all be fuming, and that's why I mean there's so much at stake. If that penalty gets given, we've still got to score it. But yeah. if we score, win the league. But it's still not conclusive, is it? We've seen VAR decisions and we've looked it, at them and it's been like, it's not a penalty. The offside, though, the flip side of that argument is if that had been Hyungman's son's gone through on goal, he scores and Tottenham go through, and you know that if they could look back at it, they'd give him offside and City go through, then you want that in place. So for offsides, I completely agree with it because I think offsides are clear and obvious. You see he's either offside or he's on. When it comes to like fouls and handballs, I don't think it should be introduced. I think you should... Bring it in for offsides first and see how it does. See if it works and it should work because offside you can see. And the handball should be an interpretational thing. The, the handball, this is what I worry about because different refs are going to see different things. Or just say, it doesn't matter how it hits your arm, if it hits your arm, it's a pen for everyone and across our, the board. Is our defenders going to be like this all game worried? Well, that it affects gonna, you. It's going to affect exactly. you. Exactly. Did you see, obviously, the penalty got given against... He's pointing, isn't Liverpool. he? He's pointing he's, like he's Mark pointing. Man, he's running But then did you, see, did you see the one for Origi's goal? Alderweireld put his arms behind his body and didn't didn't try and block the That's didn't stick his leg out and try and block it because obviously Origi's got the ball at his feet he's, he's got he's he's free and he's a free man and nobody you know as a, if you're Alderweireld though you're thinking he you know is he going to put it bottom corner is he going to try and put it top corner is he going to try and put it near post all that's rushing through your mind. And the <laughs> one thing that's most prominent in your mind is it cannot hit my arm. It cannot hit my arm. And he, he, he kind of shies away they from say blocking it. unnatural position, but unless you've played football, your arms are going to go into unnatural positions because you're doing anything in your power to stop the ball going in the net. If I, if yeah. I tripped yeah. you on the way out of here, what's the first thing you do? Punch you it. put your arm... <laughs> well, maybe, but you put your arm out yeah. to try to break your fall. Yeah. And then the ball hits that arm... That's handball it's now ridiculous. under the new rule because your arm's not in a natural position. But you had to do it, and it doesn't have to even just be an arm down to stop the fall. It can be an arm to balance because if you're falling or, or spinning or whatever in a, in a position, then you, 
you have to put your arm out. Look at a ballet dancer or somebody. They don't have their arms Balance. next to... The only time that happens is in that, that um, Irish dancing, isn't it, where they have their arms next to the sides. Yeah. But every other type yeah. of dancing or, or anything like that, you have to have your yeah, arms so you yeah. out. I think it's important that they stick, they try and stick to the clear and obvious and not get bogged down in going for every little thing that's that, that, that can be conjecture because... If it gets bogged down like that, it's going to be stop, start, stop, start constantly. It's just going to be so frustrating to watch as a football fan, and it just takes away from the love of the game. Well, the more and more I've the seen, game. the more and more I've seen VAR kind of unfold, and I've seen it in action. I've seen it in America and Germany and stuff. The more and more I thought that what I said, and, and Gary James actually tweeted something similar out about three or four weeks after, and didn't know I'd said it on the podcast. I think if they were to introduce that challenge way of doing it, where managers get five challenges a game. And they can five. Cha- five. Well, three, three. Sorry, and they can challenge. They can challenge yeah. on balls, and they can challenge penalty decisions yeah. and stuff. Then that might be another way of of of, of kind of. Maybe so. What it's a subject that's going to run and run. Right. Let's get on to the latter part of this uh, podcast by talking about players. Yeah. Um, so um, I do. I'll finish the podcast off by asking you for your player of the year and that type of thing. But let's talk in more general terms. As we sit here now, we know Vincent Company is not no longer going to be part of City, and I know Emily will burst into tears now as a result of that. But and in fact, I might join you, Emily, because that's how I feel as well. But he's gone; he's out of the picture. Um, there are rumours um, that Otamendi might go. Um, obviously, we know that uh, Bayern Munich now they're saying at the moment that they may have got to their limit, but you know, they've been interested in Leroy Sane. We've seen City interested in in Rodri. We've seen him interested in Felix of uh, Fernandez. There's various names being thrown around here. So, you know what the squad is. Vincent's out of it, but you know the rest of the squad. Are are there any players in that squad that you would cons- that you feel you could improve upon, so you would let go? Let's start with just the out. Just a really, really quick final word on Vincent. My worry about him leaving is that he is the man for the big occasion, and he's always been there when we've needed him in the really big games to lift the players on the pitch, and. My concern is that do we have an actual natural leader without him? So for me, looking for that voice and that leader to replace him as well is so important. Presence, isn't it? Well, yeah, let's talk presence. about who might come in in yeah. a minute. First, just before we get to that, is there anybody you would let go? Bernardo. <laughs> 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 uh, um, probably Delph. I wouldn't have any qualms with Delph going. There aren't many players. I think Zinni's proved himself to be the better yeah. fullback yeah. now. So I think if it, if it's to be Zinchenko or Mendy. As the two at left wing back. Will, will it be Mendy? That's a massive question. Mark See, I think I think it will be. I think if we were to let Mendy go now, we'd be absolutely daft. Who would buy him? No, not, he wouldn't. Nobody would. Buy him. I think if we were to let him go after what I saw at Monaco and what I know he's capable of, fully fit, would be absolutely ruthless. So daft. you're absolutely in the Mendy camp. Mendy and Zinchenko for what me a, next what season. What about you? I'm in the Mendy camp. I think that this is literally the last chance saloon for him. I think yeah. if he has another season like he's had, then it will be he's had a huge season. I suppose it's impossible to, to have this conversation with also, without also talking about players coming. Yeah. So I didn't mean to cut you off no, before, Emily, great. but um, obviously Ben Chilwell's been um, you know, linked to City as well. Mm. So while we're on the left-back area, so you, you're, you're thinking, Harlan, Zinchenko, Mendy, left-back, I think Chilwell's classy. I like Chilwell a lot. When he played United in that first game last season, I thought, wow, he's absolutely outrageously good. But I think Zinchenko's adapted well, very comfortable, looks natural, 
and Mendy is my well one of my favourite left backs in the world and I was gutted when he got injured last season so yeah them two for me yeah I'd have to agree but yeah I think if you're bringing Chilwell in you've got to be looking at the future of Zinchenko or Mendy haven't you because I think having three in like it is maybe a luxury isn't it bedding defenders in is never easy either it's just for me. Obviously, it's not Mendy's fault that he's been injured, but I, when he's played, I just haven't seen enough of him to be convinced. I remain hopeful that he the can. Jury's out. I, I want don't, to be convinced, but is, for me, Zinchenko's the number one at the moment. You'd also have two fifty million because mm-hmm. Chilwell's going to cost forty fifty. Yeah. He's not going to want to be rotated, Chilwell. Exactly, is he? No. and then you've got Zinchenko as well, and it'd practically be good night to Zinchenko. All, all the thing with Zinchenko did. would be that if that was the case, Zinchenko would move into that left left wing or he's never going to get into the middle of the park so he'd probably become a left midfielder again or a left winger I don't think and he'd be rotated with Sane I don't maybe. think he's good enough to play left wing for us to be honest let's move on to centre backs then um, as it stands at the moment there's no Vincent Company. I know I've said it before but there's John Stones there's um, Americ Laporte and there is Nicholas Otamendi and Harry Maguire. Well, <laughs> and Eric Garcia, from what I read yesterday, is 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 being promoted. Right, so Eric Gar, let's chuck Eric Garcia into that. So those are the four. Does that four? Let's come to you on this one first because you wanted to to talk about the leadership. Yeah. First of all, does the leadership have to come from centre back? And if it does, is one of those four? First of all, are those four enough? It does there need to be another need signing? One more. It does that new signing then have to be? Somebody of of that ilk, the leader, yeah. or does it not yeah. matter if he's the perfect, leader? But we're not even linked with him. Jonathan Tarr for Bayer Leverkusen. You'll know him, Ian. A big, I don't actually. Do you not know who he is? No. Jonathan Tarr. He's a big, strong centre half, good ball young, player, young, well. young. He's 23. Um, plays centre half for Bayer Munich, Bayer Munich, for Bayer Leverkusen, like I said. Um, and he wouldn't cost us as much as. Um, Maguire is going to cost us. Delict has obviously been yeah. told to join City That's by a dream Van, Van Haal, hasn't he, today? Um, seems to have seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's only 19, yeah. but he's a, he's a, he's a leader. He oh, could yeah. solve your problem there, couldn't he? Yeah, I'd be worried if we didn't sign a centre-back. I'd, I would feel very vulnerable, and especially because they shove Virgil van Dijk right down the back of your throat constantly because oh, he's not been dribbled past all season, apart from the streaker. Um, so, yeah, we definitely, definitely need a yeah. centre-back without question. Um, I think Stones is great. I know that you're not the biggest fan of him. And Laporte, for me, is absolutely brilliant, outstanding. Um, Otamendi is hit and miss. He had an outstanding season. Again, hit and miss last season for me. Um, I don't really think he is good enough. I think we need one more. I agree. I think next season is a huge, huge season for John Stones. I think this is either make or break for him as a, a City player because he was someone, when we first brought him in, I thought, right, he's going to be one of the leaders in the next few years. He's going to come on under Pep, like Sterling has. He's going to develop his game and he's going to be one of the best centre-backs in the world. I genuinely believe that. And I still have a little bit of hope that that can happen. I think he is still a, a brilliant defender, but he's a confident player. And when he was out the team and he come back in, he, he, he didn't look half as strong. But I think next season, he could really establish himself with Laporte as our centre-back pairing for the next five, six years. But it's a huge gamble for yeah, Pep to make. And I think with Otamendi having a poor season last season, I think we'd be mad not to sign another centre-back. And if it was delayed, I'd be over the moon but it looks like it's more likely to be Maguire. 
So are you saying that a prime John Stones is, is, is the player that, when John Stones reaches his prime, shall I say, he'll be the player that we always thought he'd be because I can see him becoming that player, but we haven't got time to wait around yeah. and, and nurture him to become that player if he don't want to be nurtured, basically. He's 23 now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I would have thought by 23, you'd certainly be seeing those signs. Well, I mean, you've seen people... at 19. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah. and, and, and if you're talking about the importance of Vincent Company, not just as a player, but as a leader, as somebody who imposes himself and everybody else, you certainly don't... Whatever you, the pros and cons are of John Stones, the player, he is not that leader. Certainly but, not but now. no one is. Company's irreplaceable. Yeah, well, but you is, need it? It. I is think, he irreplaceable? I think that you need that leadership because as much as I love David Silva when he gets handed the um, the armband, he's not much influence that I can see on the team as a leader. You see how much, like how how passionate Kumps is, and he really gets them going. And he, yeah, we, we we need a leader. A right leader. back, obviously at the moment uh, it's pretty much always Kyle Walker. Danilo is. The understudy, shall I say? Um, is is that okay? Is I, it think, I think Danilo's going to be going. I think there's a deal. So then, in place then the new right the, back uh, comes in, or Ron is it somebody? For me, I break the bank for him. Oh, from Crystal Palace. Yeah. I break the bank. I think we can afford to. If we've not, if we've not spent more than sixty million, and Maris is our record, I think we could probably stretch 65, 70 for Wambasaka. I won't go any higher than that for a right back. For a right back, even well, we'll get on to other parts of the team in a bit. We're, so, we're, we're, we're is, that where, is that where you're going to spend your most money? I think Wambasaka is a miles better fullback than Walker. Yeah, but I think people have been quite harsh on, on Walker because he really came into his own like back him, end of last but... season. No, I thought he was superb back end of the season. So I oh, think it was people, you know, you've got to give praise and credit where it's due. He was really brilliant back in the, he's had his moments don't get me wrong and, and it's a bit frightening when he does have his moments because it's like heart and mouth time and, um, but yeah he, I want to see more think, from Walker to be yeah. honest I think it's a perfect time for Kyle now to become that other right back though that other right wing back so he's the other and Wambasaka will be the starter no, see, no. I do I think Walker the, would be the problem with Walker is when you look across at Liverpool and Alexander Arnold he's everything you want in a right back and Walker, he doesn't provide enough assists, he doesn't provide enough going forward. His final ball's not better than Navas. Defensively, I think you know sometimes I mean? he can be a bit really brain isn't. dead, and that sounds harsh. I do think he is a good right-back, but I think his pace helps him out a lot, especially when we get counter-attacked on. If he didn't have pace, Walker, he'd be a, he, he he'd probably be wouldn't be at the level he's at. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't <laughs> that be. That sounds harsh, and people can disagree, that's fine. But I, I just think I want to see more from him, and maybe we can see it. But I think when Danilo was brought into the team, we saw a little bit more from Walker. Maybe you need that competition. But I think them areas of the pitch, right back and left back, can win or lose you a game when you when you're getting I mean these players yeah. these players have won us four trophies yeah. this season or well, three trophies. So, so we're not criticising them because we don't believe they're good enough to play in a title winning side. We, it's just that we've got to improve yeah. again. We've seen the importance of um, the full the full backs to Pep system because look at the first season when he had no disrespect, collar off and cliche and people were actually doubting Pep, but he inherited that side. He inherited those players, and those fullbacks were nowhere near good enough. In the, and then immediately, those areas were identified and replaced. And look at the difference. So Very they good are point. imperative, imperative positions in the team. Goalkeeper, obviously Edison. Yeah. It, there's no question about that. Bravo might be fit again. Uh, Murich is though. Are you happy with that situation? I, I think we need. I think we need someone. 
a bit better than Bravo as a backup to Emerson. We, we do though, don't we? The American. Oh uh, uh, yeah, we've we brought we brought Josh Stefan in, haven't we? But um, I, I think he might go out on loan again next season, mm. and I think Murich could do with going out on loan again. I don't think he wants to be. A, I know he's only a young kid, but he don't I think he wants to be a, a cup goalkeeper. I think he might want to play a bit more football before he gets to. He looks decent. Twenty one, twenty. He's a backup. He's, he's, a, a, really he's a very good, good goalkeeper. Yeah. Very good. Right, let's move on to the engine room because most of what City are about is the midfield. Um, obviously, there are a whole lot of players there. David Silva um, is now starting to get to the veteran stage, but as far as I'm concerned, he's still a very effective player. Uh, the, the latest noises seem to suggest he's not ready quite to move on yet. Um, Bernardo Silva has become maybe the star of the team. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is, is is a phenomenal player who's missed most of the season. Hopefully, he's back to his best next year. Um, but yeah, it is, it no is mad to think that he was missing. Uh, it's like signing a new player, really, isn't it? You've got uh, Sterling and Sane as the two wide men. I don't think anybody's going to really debate much of that central midfield area. The debate will surround Mares who um, you know, contributed to a couple of the games late on in the season. But overall, I've, I personally have felt it hasn't looked like he felt like he belonged to this team. And as a fan, he still doesn't feel part of the team, if I'm being honest. But maybe his time will come next season. So that's the question I'd like to ask you. Um, and also, um, uh, I'd, I can't remember where the quote came from, but... There was certainly an article that I read uh, about Phil Foden suggesting that he's expected to start a lot more games next season and be involved a lot more. City, meanwhile, are being linked with midfielders like Rodri and obviously Fernandinho um, you know, is still going to be around. Uh, Gundogan is, is an excellent player. So there's a whole load of players here. Um, so let me ask you about F- Foden... Does it? How's he going to get a start? Is he good enough to start? And Mares, have we seen the best of him? Is he oh. going to get better? Yeah. Um, have you Have you been disappointed with him this season? You know, sum up those two players for me. I think I think Riyad Mahrez, um He came in for sixty million pounds. Everyone was expecting him to do what he did at Leicester. Within, uh, not everyone, a lot of City fans were expecting him to just come in in a brand new system. Brand new style of football, not playing balls in behind to Jamie Vardy anymore. Playing short, you know, playing short passes and and linking up a lot more with 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 everybody else on the pitch. Everyone was expecting him to come in and be a, a world beater straight away. It was never going to be like that. You don't play the way Mares does and adapt within six months and become an absolute world beater in a team. Pep knew that, Cheeky knew that, and Fran knew that. But they brought him in for next season. And that, that is how I always thought it was. And that's why I never got too upset when he maybe had a bit of an off 20 minutes or an off 45 because that's like it's like starting a new job. You're not the best you can be in your new workplace until you've had at least six months to a year there, I don't think. And well, then even if you're a 60 million you get to the DNA. I don't think the amount of money that a player's bought for determines um, how... You know, it's, it's like saying that... Uh, we're going into a different thing here, but it's like saying that players that are... That are earning a certain amount of money shouldn't shouldn't be depressed or shouldn't be. I don't. I think when money and 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 you know you shouldn't be depressed. You earn this much money. You shouldn't uh, be upset. You, you know you, you should play every minute of every game hundred percent because you're getting paid three hundred fifty grand a week. The money 
and the player sometimes don't always go hand in hand, I don't think. I don't think it works like that. If then we move on, which are all fair points, if we then move on to Foden, who's cost nothing, who's probably on what's one of the lowest wages, there is still a huge expectation from City fans on him. And it seems that Pep has that high expectation as well. Is he ready to deliver? I think next season will be the making of him, I think. I think he started against Tottenham and he, he looked... Every time I've seen him this season, he looks comfortable. Barring the Leicester game, I thought he looked, he struggled a lot in that Leicester game because they played in a defensive shape where he couldn't play a forward pass. Every time he got it, he's got someone on him and he had to play it backwards and he did struggle a lot in that game. But I think we saw enough of him in the Tottenham game especially and earlier in the season to, he doesn't look out of place in that team, I don't think. If he comes in and replaces David Silva, he's not, I'm not comparing him to David Silva. But I think he has the technical ability. And if Pep Guardiola, who's the best manager in the world, believes that he can be a starter for City over the next 10 years, how can any of us disagree with him? If he sees the talent in him, he works with him every day, and he believes that he's good enough to play for this club, then well, I, we, I, I we, signed, we signed David at 20, 24, didn't we, off the back of winning the World and Cup? And he just got better and better. And as he went I'd on. watched him for four or five years before that Valencia, playing in that amazing Valencia team with Villa, uh, Albelda. You know, uh, Jordi Alba was a left winger. Pablo Hernandez that's at Leeds now on the right. That was an unbelievable Valencia side. And David Silva looked like an absolute star. We signed him at 24. Phil Foden's still got five years. So, so I almost feel like it's when we're reeling off the names of our midfield, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches, really. And what a great headache for Pep to have of how to keep everybody happy. Um, my opinion is if we keep Sane and Gundogan, I will be happy as Larry. I don't necessarily think we need to spend on midfield. I think it's the other areas that... Are you need another striker, do you? Another striker um, and obviously the defence. But for me, the midfield is sorted. You can't argue with the players that we've got there. So, so the talk of Rodri and the talk of... Doesn't uh, interest me. ...of all these other Felix and all these other players. It's exciting, isn't it? You See, know, Felix, but... Joe Felix... Um, I'd, I'd see him as a, as, a, as a very... I think if Joe Felix was to come in, that would definitely definitely <coughs> limit Forden's games next season because he's, a, he's an attacking midfielder, he's young, he's the same age as Phil Forden. I think Phil Forden's 18 and he now. No, he's 19. 19 yeah. So Felix is 19. So I think that if we were to go and spend £70 million on a player that's 19, Forden would be thinking, well, you've got me here. I'm 19, you've already got me, why are you going to spend just, 70 million on a player? It feels like a luxury though, doesn't it? I think it feels, with all the players at your disposal in that, in, in that midfield area, to me, to go and spend 70 million on another. It, like probably, Mahrez, it, it probably cost us more than 70, to be honest. You're talking 100 million for but him. Mares was a bit of like, we were all like, what? And he, for me, at the time, was a bit of a luxury. I'm glad that he kind of came into his own a little bit in the last couple of games and we saw what he's really capable of. And he looked so made up in that Brighton game. Obviously, they were winning the league. But I was so glad because some idiot behind me queuing up to get in the city square was he saw the team sheet and he saw Maras and he's like right I'm going home. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what? Yeah, you can't be careful. Seriously, but yeah, the, the midfield for it's me. It's difficult is... to talk. You've you've got a ninety eight point season without your best player for arguably most of it. And we're trying to replace players. Exactly, yeah. it's difficult. But it has to yeah. be done about yeah. players coming in. But they ha- you have to replenish the squad always, and we didn't last season. We brought in Maras, and that was it. And I do agree with you. I think next season he might improve, and it is difficult to see where he'll get in the team. To be honest, but you can't deny his talent. He's got a phenomenal. Do you know what I'd do touch. instead of going out and buying a striker then? And I know I know this would this would change. Sterling's style a bit 
But I, I, I had there's three or four fans. A guy sits next to me, Paul. He's a massive, massive Raheem Sterling fan, and I've seen things in Sterling's game. Now, Arsenal tried it with Walcott. I think it was 2013. They converted him and, and played him as a, as a lone striker or behind. Mm. Um, I think they played him behind uh, Giroud. I think um, as a as a second striker. Um, I think that could be something that we could look to do with Sterling to free up that right hand side. Bernardo in the middle with maybe David Silva. Well, Mares plays on the right. Well, that's yeah, but well, that's what I mean. How to free that up? So Mares right. on the right. I'd play Mares on the right. Sterling maybe behind uh, as a second striker. Maybe with that, that would obviously take an he attack tried that out the right, team. Though, didn't he? Or you could play he Sterling up top on his own and rotate him with Aguero. Well, let's and let's, his, let's go on then to Sergio. Obviously, we all idolise Sergio Aguero. His statistics, his record, his goal-scoring threat is just unbelievable. Um, and when that guy finally moves on, um, we talk about statues sometimes, there has to be a statue to Sergio Aguero. I'll crap my eyes out, mate. But the, you have to face facts that every year he gets a bit older um, and strikers rely on explosive pace and speed. And that's the first thing that goes as a player gets older. Um, I mean, obviously, last season we were very lucky because Sergio played in pretty much all of the key games. And one of the concerns I had in the back of my mind all the time was if he gets injured, what happens? Gabriel Jesus is the natural backup. I know Sterling can play in that position. Uh, or certainly, that's, that's where Pep has played him from time to time. But it does feel as if we're very, very reliant on Sergio Aguero. When you look at the cup final and look how good Jesus was in the cup final True, as well. true, true. Very true. I um, think so, we... so with that in mind then, does City need to look at another striker? Yeah. Is Jesus yeah. just going to yeah. come through and be yeah. the natural successor or what? Sergio as well, what impressed me last season is he seemed to add work rate to everything. So he, he's got everything going for him, but then he really upped his work rate and he just became even, he, he reached another level for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why, but I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with just Aguero and Jesus. But then, how do you keep three strikers happy? Because then that's another headache, because you're not going to sign a really top-notch striker and keep all three happy in rotation. So are you happy for Sergio for at least another season to be the go-to yeah. striker? Yeah, yeah I think I don't see it why needs to be. No concerns on that at all. When, when, Unless he gets injured. But the thing is, when Pep first came in, we played a 3-5-2 for the opening three, three or four games of the season with wing-backs. And we were, we were partnering two players. I don't understand why we now are. I know he likes well, the 4-3-3. Because, Mendy, because Mendy's yeah, not course. been But he, like, he likes the 4-3-3, he like, like doesn't he, Pep? Obviously, he looked, that was his Barcelona formation. Yeah. I think he tried it 4-3-3 with a false nine as well, like Spain did in, the, in, in their successful days. But I think that we've, you know... Aguero and Jesus doesn't work. Sterling off Aguero or Sterling off Jesus could work, yeah. freeing up that right-hand side. But is Pep going to do that? Probably not. And he's, he, he, he likes his lone striker, doesn't he? And it does work. So if we're going to go out and buy a striker, it just kind of it limits Jesus also massively. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, you've just said that perfectly, Matty, because next week we're going to do a podcast um, and we're going to record it on Monday. And uh, Matty and Adam um, have got homework this week, which is that you're going to properly research who you think City might go for. 
Yeah, absolutely. And obviously City Matters and everything, oh, so you've got the inside on. track. Yeah. So next Monday we're going to do a special. Uh, it'll be a slightly shorter podcast and it'll just be Adam, who's a regular on the on the podcast anyway, and Matty and me. And we're going to discuss uh, the the where City are in the market. Maybe something will have happened by next week uh, and try to work out what the you know the the detail of that is so that's your homework matty so uh, the small so argentinian guy that lives in barcelona he's about five foot four have a word oh. city have been linked with messi again haven't they <laughs> anyway uh, right so let's just conclude this podcast and thanks very much to the squad uh, for the whole well for the half season because we didn't launch till till january yeah. um it, just just tell me now your highlight of this season. It might be an individual, it might be a goal, it might be something else, but there's been lots to enjoy. Let's conclude by giving me a highlight. I think for me, it, um, if we're looking at a highlight, you have to go individual moment. So for me, it's Vincent Company's goal against Leicester. I think that's defined him, it's put him, I mean, he was already in my estimations as an incredible player, but it's just sort of the perfect send off for him to, to score. To score at all at such an important time, a crucial game of the season, but to score in the manner in which he did and just being perfectly in line with the ball as he scored and just remembering my own feeling of just stood there like not comprehending what I'd just seen. It was just an incredible moment and I feel like although in in my pessimistic way I wasn't like, we've done it yet, that was I was, I screamed. We're champions again. It was a moment, wasn't it? Like where you That's what screamed. That's it, but that that has to be the moment for me. I knew when he hit the back of the net that we'd won the league. I I, I couldn't. Is I that told your you, moment. Then, yeah, I, t- I told you to go into the ground ninety percent. I went in ninety five percent. In fact, I went in hundred hundred percent. As soon as he banged that, I was hundred and one. Um, that I part, your optimism, by the way. Yeah. I wish I could be like that. that. I, I never used to be like that though, because of all the ribbons and stuff. But it just kind of grew and grew and grew, and it's not an arrogance; it's a confidence. But that umpire and with the final whistle being blown down at the Amex, that 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 was the, yeah, that just just official. knowing that the season was over, it was official. The anxiety just kind of flushed out my system. Everything just kind of went, and all the elation just came in as a, as a replacement. Yeah, I'm the same as Har- exactly the same as Harland. The Cumps goal, obviously, because wow. <laughs> um, don't really think I can describe how I felt in that moment because when you. Our vantage point in the south stand, we had an, like a great view of it, and I just knew he was going to hit it. And like many people, I'm sure the guy behind me screamed like, "Don't hit you!" And then no, <laughs> before it was like almost like time stood still. It all it all slowed down, and then you just saw the net bulge, and it was like. I just witnessed that and to be there to witness it in the ground and the, the, the goosebumps and the emotion and the tears and everything like that. Yeah, that was that. And then the, the relief after the Brighton game. Yeah. That's why I yeah. got so drunk at that game because I'm not a heavy drinker. Yeah. But the relief I felt at the final whistle, knowing that we crossed the line and it, one point, so what, we did it. it How many people do you think missed Vinny's goal because they were on the phone or because they were talking to the person next to him or... Or chatting to someone behind them or something. Imagine missing that. I mean, I didn't miss the Aguero one. I didn't miss the company one. I saw both at the back of the net. To be able to say that you saw both of them moments and you yeah. didn't miss it. Because at a game, you get distracted and things yeah. happen yeah. and you might, so, your phone so might you ring. Gotta, and you that's might why it's so important in life to live in a moment and, and put your phone down and live and breathe a moment because you could miss something so magnificent. I have a phone ban in the ground, me. 
I don't look at my phone during the match I'm unless it's our time. I never because look at because phone. you know, Jess yeah. tries to record kickoff or she she tries to record the players coming out. I always say, right, you've got a minute to get that phone back in your pocket. We're kicking off. And we, all, we always hold hands, me and Jess, for kickoff. It's just a thing we've got. We hold hands and we both have to watch the kickoff together. To be in love. It's a real superstition for me. Like, if we miss it, we always have a bad start or we, we have an iffy moment in the game. It's weird. With signings, I kind of feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just replace Cumps and I'll be more than happy. Well, I'll Could we win the league with the same squad if we just replace Company? Absolutely. We, we, I think we, we can. proved that. Well, I'm I'm going to sum up my feelings towards the season with with two examples. Um, one is nothing specific, although I can't disagree with a word that you three have said. But just the things that Bernardo Silva did during the season, because there were so many times that I sat in that, well, either sat in the press box for home games or stood in the away end at away games, and literally found myself out loud saying, "Wow." Out loud, not just thinking it, but I couldn't help it. It was like a reflex action. And the number of times that I did that, that that guy is the near. I mean, this might sound like an exaggeration, but I, I feel he's the nearest that there is playing the game at the moment to Messi. I think there are things yeah. that he yeah. can yeah. do yeah. that are breathtaking. And he's such a humble, such a uh, self-effacing Lad, Bernardo Silva will go on to be one of the I, best players in the world. I, I think he could be a future is. Ballon d'Or winner. No, yeah, he is. And the other thing is, and this is a bit self-indulgent, but obviously I do the, the vlogs all the way through the season, and I met a guy outside Wembley um, who summed everything up for me, whose emotion was... I put him. I, he was in the vlog at, at Wembley, but he was also in my season highlights uh, vlog that I did. Um, and... He's the one, if you watch the video, who goes, Pogba, you know, uh, what, uh, you know. And he does and then that he, dab. Yeah, he does the dab, and, and then he goes, oh, he's at the wheel, and then he, he, he thumps his chest he and shows really his, his city, yeah. his city um, uh, tattoo, and he says, I'm from Salford, I've had to live through it, and I just loved his passion, loved his... his uh, he, I suppose... He, he isn't like me, we're different people, but he, in his words, and, his, and he said everything that I could relate to that perfectly summed up how I felt. So thank you to him. Thank you for you to you for listening. Thanks to the gang. Tomorrow night we're all off to uh, to have a bit of a debrief Ooh, and a wind oh, down and a celebration. I can taste that meat um, now. But <laughs> I can promise you that the podcast is going to continue on during the summer. Um, next week it's a special Gammon. on transfers with uh, oh, I've got him distracted now uh, a special on transfers with Matty and Adam and then the three after that the next three after that a nice summary uh, why are you a City fan type podcast so they will continue on um, thanks very much really for listening thanks very much to Hot thank Marketing well. thank um, you thanks Ian and, and thank you most of all more than anything else to Manchester City yes. for giving us the most magnificent season. I don't think it could... I mean, I know there's all this Champions League's better and everything. As far as I'm concerned, no. winning the three domestic uh, trophies in the way that they did, how can that ever... The first team ever to do it. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, City. Yeah.